Good morning, good morning. It's great to see y'all this morning. My name is Jonathan Chang, and I am one of the pastors on staff here. And on behalf of our church family and our staff, welcome. It's a beautiful morning. The weather's nice. It's no rain. I love it. Uh, want to let you know if this is one of your first times here, we're just glad you're here. So I want to encourage you that this is a great place. This is a safe place for you to discover who you fully are in Christ Jesus. And so welcome. If this is your first time here, as I said earlier, um, we do have these connect cards in the pews right in front of you. If you have any questions, if you uh, fill out the information, you can turn it in at the, at the welcome desk, the welcome home desk, which is right on the left when you walk out these doors. Uh, and someone on staff will reach out to you and welcome you and say, what's up? How can we love you? If you have prayer requests, you can write those down on there and you can turn them in. And I just want to let you know that we as a staff pray earnestly for every single prayer request that we receive. And so if we can pray for you, we would love to have the privilege to pray for you, to petition for you. Uh, just to let you know also, to the right, when you go out, we have our next steps, which is, hey, I'm trying to figure out where I fit within the context of this church in regards to serving, in regards to missions, which we're going to talk about today, in regards to discipleship and spiritual formation and all of these things that help you grow in your faith journey. You can go out to your right, and we will do our best to answer any question you may have. For those that might be unaware, this past week has been our missions conference week, and it has been awesome just seeing all of our global workers here and celebrating them. And uh, the wonderful thing is we get to continue that today. And so at 11 o'clock, we encourage you, the three rooms, the classrooms that we have in this building are little set up as uh, global discovery rooms. And so you'll spend time in 15-minute intervals, and you'll get to see what's going on in Japan. Godzilla might be attacking them right now. You don't know. But if you go to the room, 
you'll know that's not happening, but the Lord is moving in Japan. We'll also learn that what's going on in the Middle East, we'll say that. And we'll know what's going on in South Africa. And the great way you can join is to go and interact with our missionaries that are there telling us about how the Lord is moving in a mighty way. After church, if you didn't make it to the missions conference yesterday, well, you can come and eat potatoes. Eat potatoes with all of us and we're going to have more time to interact with all of our different missionaries that are back and we'll share more stories. Stories are fun. We see stories all throughout scripture and this is a part of God's beauty in story is, is how we see he is moving amongst the nations. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't RSVP'd, it's okay. Tony told me that you can just come anyways. And so if there's not enough food, we have runners and we will go make sure everyone gets to eat. So everyone come. I'd love for us to not have enough food and that'd be a problem to have. So again, 1230 at the gym, right after church, we're going to talk, we're going to fellowship, and we're going to see what's going on. Today, as we wrap up our compelled, Compelling Love series, we're going to, well, Pastor Tony's going to preach on why are we compelled to the nations. Uh, it has just been a privilege to journey alongside you all these last eight weeks through our challenges, uh, just through the different messages, and just through all of the interactions. Uh, and so we'll be asking for some feedback in regards to that and how has your faith grown and been challenged in these last eight weeks. Also, at the end of today's service, you should have received a pledge card as you walked in, and we're going to ask you to fill this out in regards to how you can support our local and global ministries that we, that we serve and work in. There is also a QR code on the Connect card that can connect you in that aspect. Um, God is doing great things. I loved hearing all the stories yesterday as the different missionaries shared. Uh, and speaking of that, I want to invite my good friend and brother Tex up here, and he's going to share a little bit. He's going to share a little bit about himself, and so I just told you his name, but Tex, tell us your name. Tex. <laughs> and, and where do you serve? Uh, in Japan. Excellent. Um, if you want to learn more about text, though, you got to come to lunch and hear some more about what he has to say. Because we have something even more special um, to, that he wants to share about this morning. So we all know what's been going on um, at Asbury College. Tex went to go see what was going on. And he wants to share with you all what he experienced there this morning. Hi. I'm actually Tetsuo. But I know it's very difficult to pronounce, so I go by text. Uh, yes, so I am a product of your prayers, and I am a product of your support. Uh, in 2019, I came here uh, for the first time, standing right here, uh, introducing myself, and, and praise God, and praise for your love and your care. I got adopted by you guys. So I'm not right now working in Japan as a missionary, uh, seeking uh, to um, aim for, for movement and leave no place left where the name of Jesus not being heard. So Tell us about Asbury. Asbury, it was, I have no words, actually. I cannot describe what, what happened there. I was there lining up for two and a half hours in the morning. And they told us, okay, you won't make it. So we went to the simulcast and, and we felt something. It's like, oh, we have to go to the auditorium. So 
we lined up another two and a half hours. It was 30 degrees Celsius, uh, 30 degrees actually, and snowing. But it was a long line, half a mile uh, long. Uh, but people were like not complaining. They were like, yeah, they were so expectant of this something that they expected to, to receive. And so were we, and there was a lot of peace and joy and happiness. And I think all the fruits of the Spirit were displayed there. We went in, and there was this unison of worship and prayer. Um, students will come up, and they will start confessing their sins, giving their testimonies, and it was just the presence of the Lord there. Uh, I think every one of us that went was looking for something. And I think we found something. I think we receive according to the level of faith that we have, receive the same uh, answer that we expected to have. So I would see people coming out of the auditorium with tears or happy or just like, like that. But according to what they were seeking, they have received. And I think that it's not only in Asbury that we can find God. I believe that when there's desperation and we go in our brokenness to seek the Lord in prayer, we'll find Him. We'll find Him in Asbury, in all the 27 or more campuses that this movement is spreading we can find him here as we seek the lord earnestly in prayer that's what i felt and and and, and i learned in asbury so then i couldn't go to asbury can i experience that here in cypress texas is that is that possible oh yeah oh yeah so can we seek him? Do we seek him? Do we have the, the hunger and thirst to do that? I think it's our position, our humbleness to the Lord, eh? this relationship, seeking him earnestly, and we will find him, and he will fill this place with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Tex. Thank you, Tex. This is Tex, y'all. You know what? As we continue our worship service today, I want to invite my dear friend Dave Edwards, uh, not just an elder here, but one of my best friends. And I just want to say one thing. We don't need to go to Asbury to experience God. We can experience him here together. And I believe that is what God wants us to do. And so I think we need to start seeking that out on how we can have not revival, but be compelled to live out our faith as a church together. And so you don't need to hear two sermons today, but we'll save that for Tony. All right. Thank you. Church family, would you play with me, please? Lord, we are humbled that you have given us the blessing of being a part of the story that you're writing. Creator God, the one who made the earth and everything in it, the one who wrote the Bible and called a people and birthed the church. We are here this morning to exalt you, to give worship to you, to yield our lives and surrender to you. Just as you have moved in powerful public 
glorious ways in the past. We rejoice that you are moving in new and fresh and powerful ways in our world, in our nation, and in this church even now. Lord, we're blessed to see a fresh movement of God occurring at Asbury and spreading to other campuses and communities even now. Lord, we're blessed to see the ways that you are moving at CBC through the homegoing of our friends, through the excitement of our students at City Lights, through our community at places like Moore Elementary and globally in the missionary work that we're doing. And even now, God, here in our midst today, Lord, forgive us for the ways that we quench your spirit by our apathy or grieve your spirit by our, our activity. Revive a fire in our souls for your name and your renown. We remember your warning to, in James 4, 6 that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so we make the remaining verses 7 through 10 our prayer this morning. We pray that we would, with hearts of humility, surrender our desires and submit to God that we would resist the devil and that he would flee from us. With everything we have, Lord, we draw near to you, God, knowing that you will be faithful to draw near to us. Lord, we humbly ask that you would forgive our sins and cleanse our hands and purify our hearts. Lord, we don't want to just wink at the sin, at our sin, because we know that it grieves you. We're wrecked by your kindness and your grace, and we mourn and weep at the ways that we hurt you and that we soil your reputation with our transgressions. So God, we humble ourselves before you, trusting that you will be faithful to exalt us, not for our glory and fame, but for yours, Lord. So Lord, make us more like Jesus. Give us boldness to proclaim your word. Give us a vision for caring for this community and give us a passion for reaching the lost across the street and across the world. May we be compelled to love others audaciously because of the way that Jesus first loved us. And it's in his glorious name that we pray, amen. So I wanna invite y'all to stand and let us continue worshiping in song together. I just want to read a quick passage, Psalm 96, 4 through 9. If you could just close your eyes in this moment and just take this in. Great is the Lord. He's most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. The God of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O oh, nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Father, we know your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. And this text says that, Father, whenever we, whenever we seek you, we find you. So, Father, in this time, we come before you, we seek you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Let's sing together.
all sing together. I would be hopeless. I would be hopeless without your goodness. I would be desperate without your love. A slave to the darkness if it wasn't for the cross.
Death could not hold you, 
Thank you for your presence. God, we love being in your house. God, we pray that you bless this time, bless the word as we open it, as we feed from it, as we learn from it. God, be with Pastor Tony as he brings the word this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Cypress Bible Church. So we wrap up this series, uh, Compelling Love, and it's been a, 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 just a, an interesting journey, uh, I think for all of us, maybe ups and downs, challenges where maybe we thrived, uh, things that challenge us where maybe we, it, it exposed some, maybe some weakness in all of us. And, and if we're all honest, we all have that. We have strengths and we have weaknesses, and, and really what we're trying to figure out is how do we come together as the body of Christ and move together? strengthen each other where we're weak and challenge each other where we're strong and bring humility and, and come together in unity. We're compelled to, to love because Christ first loved us. We're compelled to love his word, to love the church, our friend, neighbor, enemy, and the lost wherever they may exist. 
And, and this morning we're going to be talking about what it is to love the nations. What it is to love the nations. The love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion that all died, therefore all died. And he died for those that we may live in him. Christ is, is the foundation on which we, which we must build our faith. And so when we talk about um, all that's happening around the world right now, when we think of you know, Asbury and uh, these revivals, awakenings, uh, there's a lot of arguments as to what they are, what we should label them. And I think in the midst of all that, we miss the important thing, is that, that the Spirit of God is moving God is the same today as he was yesterday. He'll be the same tomorrow. He doesn't change. His spirit is made available to us. And I think the question is, is do we have that holy expectation? And when we got up this morning, and we're like, we're going to go meet God. We're going to step into his presence together as his people. That, that should be what motivates us. And I think sometimes in, in Western Christianity, we've, we are quenching the spirit, whether we recognize it or not. And, and Christianity largely has become a checklist of things we do and things we shouldn't do. And I'm telling you, our young people are fed up with it. They're done. And they show up to a meeting like this, and they're just like, we just want to meet God. Is that what we desire? Is that, is that the longing of our soul, is to step into the presence of God this day and every day that God has given us? It should be. It has to be. For the sake of the lost, for the sake of the nations, because the love of Christ compels us to this. And so this morning we're going to look at Revelation 7, 9 through 12. And God gives us a glimpse into what he will do in the consummation of all of, of history, all of his redemptive purposes. He gives us a glimpse. And so let's read Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels around the throne and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Father, we, we step into your presence this morning and, and our hearts, our desire, our longing is for you. Remove every thought from our mind, every obstacle, every ambition, 
every desire. May we solely focus on you and the word that you've given, that your spirit may be felt here, that you may lead us and guide us and transform our minds, that our worship may be acceptable to you this morning. May we feel your presence. May you be glorified here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we, when we read this passage, we get a, we get a glimpse. Um, anytime you read through Revelation, it, it, you just have to go back and you say, man, what would it have been like to be John? He's trying to describe these things, and it's almost impossible. As Tex was up here this morning, he's like, I don't have words to describe what I experienced when I stepped into the presence of God's holiness. And here John is trying to write for us a letter describing that. And and it's almost an impossible thing to do. But he gives us a picture here uh, of Jesus on his throne. It's foundational to all that we are and all that we believe. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation that we have to build upon. But what I want to do this morning is, uh, as Revelation is a, a very difficult book and it's hard to take one piece out of the entire book and, and make sense of it, uh, I really want to give a foundation for where does, this, where does this begin and where does this end. He gives us the end, um, but it, it builds up all of Scripture. God is revealing his redemptive purpose, his plan. And so I want us to, to walk away this morning with a foundation for what is Jesus doing. And ultimately, we, we talk about the nations, but what does that really mean from God's perspective, and how should we see it then? And so to do that, uh, of course, you've got to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the water's depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. And God said, Now, a lot of times when when you start talking about the doctrine of the Trinity, you have to say, well, where do you find that in Scripture? Uh, What Genesis 1, 1 through 3, we're seeing right here the doctrine of the Trinity unfold. Uh, Well, Tony, where do you see that? Uh, First, you see the Spirit hovering over the water, and you see God, right, God the Father saying. God the Father saying. Now, John 1 exposes to us the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things that were created, all things were created through Him, and apart from Him, nothing was created that was created. So, in the beginning, the Spirit is hovering, and God said, His Word, Father, Son, and Spirit, present in the very beginning of Scripture, the foundation of all that God is doing is seen in the very beginning. And what is God doing? He's creating. He's creating. It's impossible for us to wrap our minds around, well, what was God doing before that? God was. He wasn't bored. 
He wasn't like, there's a part of me that's just missing and empty and I need to find something. To f- he was perfect in his triune being, perfect in fellowship, perfect in worship, perfect in every way. And out of that perfection, out of that holiness, God creates. And so he reveals his, his intentions from the, from the very beginning. Colossians kind of unfolds this a little bit more when we, when we see Jesus is the creator. He's created all things, right? For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So this passage really is, a, is, is, a, is an explanation of, of God's redemptive plan from beginning to end. And in the middle of this, what do you see? He is also the head of the church. Now for us, that might seem kind of a strange thing to insert right here. Like why, why mention the church here? And I think sometimes we undervalue the nature of what the church is. And I think we've talked about it in here quite a bit. And I hope we're, we're beginning to better understand, uh, you know, the church fam. We've, we've, we got the t-shirt, but are we, are we living it? Do we look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? And are we treating each other that way? Are we loving each other in that way? Are we giving of ourselves sacrificially to make sure that, that we are together, that we're healthy that where we're suffering, we're, we're meeting that need, and where we're active and in, in, in advancing the kingdom, we're, we're partnering together. The, the church is central. God is doing something in the world, and it all centers around his church. And I hope that we begin to get a, a stronger, a clearer picture of what that looks like this morning. So this, this, asks, this brings the, the question then, again, we still ask, then why did God create? Why did God create? Um, in the very beginning, we see the, the narrative of some, of some of humanity's weakness. He creates uh, Adam, right? In Genesis 1, 26 and 28, then God said, let us make man in our image, in plural, our image, according to our likeness. God blessed them. And, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In Genesis 2.23, he says to man, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So when God creates Adam, he sees that it's not good for Adam to be alone. He's in the garden and he's with all the animals and he's naming the animals but there was none like him. There was none compatible. And God says, man needs a partner. And so he puts Adam into a deep sleep. And out of his rib, 
he forms the woman. And so there's this immediate connection, this oneness between the husband and the wife, which is why marriage is such a, it's such a sacred thing for us. Because it's what God intended from the beginning, man and woman, one flesh, bone of my bone, blood of my blood. And, and it's a powerful picture. God creates woman because man is no good on his own. Amen, women? Amen. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> man is no good on his own. We need, we need our strong women to, to, to be with us, to com- you complete us. Yeah. Um, but, but what I want to see in this, in this picture that I think God is giving us, sometimes, again, we miss, we miss the, deeper, the deeper meanings of what God is doing. He's, he's giving the world a picture of this unity between God and woman, but also there's a, there's a purpose in that for God. And I think when we read about this in, a, in Ephesians 5, uh, we begin to get a clearer picture. And if we're talking about the role of the the husband and the wife, this is a common passage that we go to. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and to make her holy, cleansing her and washing her with water by the word. He did not present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So in the beginning, we see this bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, God creates for a purpose for this, this perfect unity, man and woman. But in this passage, what is he really talking about here? Verse 32, he says, this mystery is profound. But what he's really talking about, right? But what I am talking about is Christ and the church. Jesus calls the church his bride. We make up the the body of Christ. We are his bride. And so we have to be really, really, really careful what we say about the church. We can say, oh, the church is messed up. The church is failing. The church is... What we say about the church is what we are saying about the bride of Jesus Christ. It's his. He is the head of the body. And we have to live into this reality of God has created us for this intimacy with him. And that happens in the context of his church. It's extremely important. Adam was incomplete without the woman. 
And Christ, through the church, expresses his love, his holiness, everything he is. We need him. We were created for him. And so we have to live into this reality that he loves us. We weren't, we weren't perfect. We weren't without spot or wrinkle. But he cleanses us by the washing of his blood. Willing to, to give of his own life to shed his blood on the cross for his church. He's creating a people for his own possession. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And so this is what God was doing from the very beginning. He was creating a people for himself, but sin hindered that plan to an extent. But God was willing to give of himself to make everything right, to redeem to save us by faith. And so we see the, the plan in Genesis uh, begin to unfold. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord said to Abram, Go from this land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make free into you a great nation. I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who threatens you with contempt. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram becomes Abraham. And in Galatians 3, uh, 6 through 9, we get a, a fuller picture of what God is doing here. It says, just as Abraham, who believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, you know then those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scriptures saw in advance. The scriptures have they've foreseen, there's foreseeing, there's foreknowledge that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaiming the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. And so when we, when we see this redemptive plan, it's hard for us to imagine uh, when we go back to the beginning, we recognize God has revealed himself as triune. And so when we think of God's foreknowledge, God foreseeing, um, God's not looking into the future as if he needs to know something, right? Because God operates both outside of time and in Jesus Christ is operating in time. And so he knows all things, and so how, how are we, how does God see us? He sees those who by faith have trusted him. And I think those are the ones that he calls his, his elect. Those who are predestined to salvation. And there are differing views on this. And some, some would say that, that God pre-selected those who would have faith. Um, and then there are, there, the other camp would be God knows because he's operating above time, he knows everybody who will, by faith, trust in him through Christ, and they are his children. 
And either way you look at it, it doesn't change the outcome, does it? It doesn't change the outcome. And we don't know it. The best way that I can describe it, I heard somebody describe it as a, as a, a sporting event that you had pre-recorded. All the players are acting freely on the field, and one team wins and one team loses. And when you've recorded that match, you come home, you do everything you can do, right, to avoid those people who are going to tell you the outcome. Because the second they do, it's just, it's just ruined it. Um, but in God's sovereignty, he's above time. He knows how all of this plays out. He, he not only just knows it, but he's interacting in it. And so imagine the, the coach is on the field, and he looks up to the, to the booth, and the guy calls down the next play. Here's the play they're going to run. Could you ever beat that team? You could, you could never do it. And, and so God is sovereignly not just, again, winding it up and letting it go. He's interacting in, in our world, in time, by his spirit. And he's leading us and guiding us. His desire is that none should perish, that all should come to repentance and faith. And so God is actively working. The spirit is actively working. And what are they, what are they doing? They're pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. And we could say that, that ultimately when we, we come to this passage in Revelation 7, that God just ruined the whole game for us. We know who wins already. Golly. That's, that's amazing. That's the confidence that we have as the church. We can't lose. We win the game. And so if you're entering into the game knowing you can't lose... What are you going to attempt? Man, throw it all out there. Just go all out and have fun. And I think that's what it's intended to be. We're supposed to be excited. We're supposed to be compelled by the love of Christ just to step out in faith and say, God, I know we've already won the game. I want in it. I want to be a part of it. Put me in the game, coach. Nobody, nobody wants to be a part of the winning team that sat on the bench the whole game. Yeah, I got my ring, but I didn't, I didn't get to play. <laughs> and God's saying, come on in. There's a spot for you. There's a place. I need you. I want you in the game. And so when we come to this passage in Revelation 7, after this, and look, there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the fulfillment of the, of the Abrahamic covenant. It's exactly what God promised would happen, that all the nations would be blessed through him. And who are those who belong to Abraham? Those who have faith. Those are, those are his sons. And so God's redemptive plan, his salvific purposes in all of time, space, and history have been fulfilled and we get to see the end of the game. We win. And we'll stand before the Lamb and again, picture John seeing a multitude that you can't even number. You can't begin to even count them. 
He tells Abraham that it'll be like trying to count the stars or the sands on the beach. Like you just don't even start to do it because it's an impossible task. And that's what John is seeing, a multitude from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And so we are, we are compelled by the love of Christ to love the nations, to love the people on this planet because they are all redeemable. God created all of us for an intention and a purpose, and that's to be in relationship and fellowship with him for an eternity. But all of us have sinned, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wage of our sin is death. And what the nations need, what they, what they have to hear, is that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain. Jesus went to the cross, and he died as a sacrifice, as an atonement for sin. And by his death, burial, and resurrection, we all have access to his grace by faith. And all who receive that grace will be saved. And so, how will they know, though, in a message that they've never heard? And how will they hear unless somebody is sent? And so our, our commission as a church is we enjoy the fellowship of the church here. But there are those who don't know. They've never heard. They've never seen. They've never tasted to know that the Lord is good. And so we have a, we have a responsibility as a church. And this is really what uh, this whole week has been about. Is it, It's great that we get to enjoy this, but there's a whole world out there that doesn't. And you don't have to go far to find it. If you want to reach the nations, you don't have to get on a plane. The nations are right here. They're in our city. And we have an unprecedented opportunity to reach the nations starting right here in our own Jerusalem. God gives us this great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we have been commissioned by Jesus Christ. I want you in the game. I want you to be a part of my redemptive plan. But we have to be willing to. We have to say, here I am, coach, put me in. He commissions us to go. And the imperative in that is, as you go. So as you go about your life, as you go into the workplace, as you go into the school, as you go into the grocery store, as we go, right, we're proclaiming the gospel. And those who are responding in faith or those who are desiring to know more, we are discipling. And so we all have to be equipped. Could we make a disciple? It's far more than just saying, hey, come to my church. You're missing, you're missing out on the excitement of being a part of the game. To, to baptize, to teach them to obey, to walk together in unity and the fellowship that God has called us to his church. That's what the church is. But we have, to re- we have to return to that, that foundation that God has given us. So I hope over the, over the past few weeks you've been uh, challenged by these things. And uh, as was mentioned earlier, at the back of the books there's a, a QR code. And we'd love for you to take this survey just to see 
uh, hear from you how God has worked in your life uh, through this series and maybe some of these challenges. Maybe you've, maybe you've begun to read scripture more. Maybe you've memorized some verses. Uh, we've challenged you to, to be present here every week and, and other challenges. But I want, to, I want to challenge you beyond that to, to be a part of what God is doing through Cypress Bible Church. We go local, we go short, we go long. God's doing some amazing things. We started the Loving More, uh, partnering with the local elementary school, and we've got uh, mentors, and we're praying for the teachers, and we're, we're doing events at the school, and we're interacting with the local apartment complexes, and uh, doing events and engaging the community. And uh, there's so many other things that, that we can be doing, but we need you to be a part of it. We've got short-term mission trips in which we're partnering with these long-term strategies. We've got a team that's getting ready to go out to, to Central Asia. We need people to sign up for that. Taking a trip to, to Ireland this year, Costa Rica. We're going to be taking a vision trip to Japan, God willing. We begin to lay the foundations for a partnership with the nations as we send our people and our resources out to the world to see the nations reach. And then our go long, our, our, our missionaries, our global workers are doing some amazing things. But as a church, we have committed to invest in this of our time, our talents, and our resources. And so as a church, we have completely separated the go ministry, go local, go short, go long, from the general giving, because it's, it's that important to us. I've been a part of many churches, and some churches say, we're going to commit to give 20% to missions. I've been a part of a church that committed to give 50% to global missions. Uh, the beauty of the way we've set it up is, however God has stirred you, you can give that amount to the Go ministry, and it all goes to local, short, and long. And I would say probably 90% of that budget goes to long-term workers. And we're supporting indigenous workers now. We've got over 11 indigenous workers working around the globe right now that are all engaged in God's kingdom work because of our investment in the kingdom. We are compelled as a church to love the nations. And so what I want to challenge you to do, every year we do a commitment. Uh, normally we have commitment cards. and I don't think those got handed out this morning. Am I correct? Yes? No? Okay. I don't think the paper came in on time. So the QR code on that link tree, there is a link on there that you can go to to make your, your yearly commitment. And this is still a, a faith journey for all of us. Um, but we're asking you to make a commitment, to, to really pray through what would God have you, if you were to name a percent that I want to go to missions, what would that look like for you, for your family? And make that commitment because we're, we're in the process of, this is our budgeting season, and so unfortunately we're in the, in the process of having to cut down our budget because the giving has, has fallen down. And so this is an opportunity for us to recommit to all that God has to do for Cypress Bible Church as we invest in his kingdom, and it's not just a financial thing. We want you to come and serve with us, to be a part of what God's doing, uh, to give and to go locally, short, and long. And all of it we'll give God praise for because he, the Lamb of God, 
He has accomplished this. He is the Lord of salvation, and we will praise him. Amen? Amen. Um, well, while we do this last work, worship song, if you want to uh, go to this link and make your commitment, or through the next week or so, we'll be taking these commitments. And next, year, next week, we might even have the commitment cards as well for those of you who like paper. Uh, but we challenge you to, to, if you'll stand with us, and we will continue to worship uh, the Lord this morning.
time uh, that we're doing what our church has been called to do. So I want to invite our South Africa team up to the stage and we're going to commission uh, this team this morning. So we, we are going on a, on a short-term trip. All right, there we go. Good job, people. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna close with this commissioning uh, after the service. If you'd like to pray with the elders, they will be up here. Um, but for me, this is the most exciting thing. The most exciting part of my job is to be a part of of serving with God's people. There's there's nothing more exciting to me than that. Uh, the fellowship that you you experience. When you step into the presence of God and the working of the Holy Spirit together is so powerful. And so I'm, I'm so excited that this team, we're, we're going to be in the game together, fighting the, the good fight of faith. And so we're going to South Africa. Uh, we're working with a, a special needs ministry there that, that really needs our help and guidance and training teachers and helping them develop uh, business plans and strategies and equipping pastors all to share the gospel in this community, that we can make disciples, that we can plant churches that multiply. So we've partnered with Motherwell. Uh, Motherwell is a, a township of about 500,000, and, and they, they desperately need our help. And so we're excited to get to go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as we proclaim the good news of the gospel, we know God, the Holy Spirit, has already prepared the way. But I invite you to, to pray with this team. There are prayer calendars out on the next step if you want to pray with us. And so we leave on March the 9th, and we'll be back on the 20th. And so let's commission this team in the name of Jesus. Uh, Father, we come into your presence this morning, and we give you praise. You are the Lord of the harvest. You're the Lamb of God who, Lord, by your shedding of your blood, has made salvation possible. And we enter into this relationship with you by the power of this Spirit. And we expect great and amazing things as we send this team to South Africa. Be with them and encourage them. Draw them all closer to yourself, Lord, and let us all draw closer to one another as we celebrate what you're going to do through us. We have a, a holy expectation and excitement, Lord, for what you're going to do. And so protect us and guide us. Go before us, Lord, and may we as a church support this work in prayer and giving and, and future uh, going. And so we commission this team in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go with God. <laughs>